right, welcome to Look at My Records, here with Lorraine Lellis of Lexica. How Hello. are you today? I'm good. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Anytime. My pleasure. So exciting times for you. You just came out of your band Lexica. It was a record that was created and then kind of put on the back burner and now came back to life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, we recorded it um, in 2000, from 2002 to 2004, and um, not much happened after that. So it's really nice to get the music out there, like 15 years later. So you were pretty involved in New York City music scene in the late 90s, early 2000s. You're in a dream pop band, right, called Closer originally? Yeah. And then this project kind of formed. What were some of your early experiences before Lexica? Before Lexica. So I was in that band called Closer. That was my first band. Uh, I was in college in the mid-90s. And uh, I joined Closer. It was sort of a dream band because it was just me and these four guys from Columbia. I went to NYU. um, And we were just, we ended up being great collaborators and Played around Columbia for a few years, recorded a lot. Um, just a really great experience doing all of that, and that really set the stage for the years to come. So Eric and I, Eric from Lexica, were, we were in Closer Together. And then we met Steven, the other Lexica person, um, during that time, because he was in other bands within the Columbia scene. And uh, I think we, pl- we might have played a couple shows together. We played at The Spiral, I think which is an old venue in the city. And um, eventually, Stephen asked us to collaborate with him on his one of his um, band's songs. He was in a band called Freight Elevator Quartet. And so Eric and I, we joined for one song, and then I think that was the start. We decided, all right, we want to do some more stuff. So we, uh, we ended up collaborating on a whole album. And it's very electronic sounding. It has a his head feel to it, I'd say. It also dreamy as well. Were you doing stuff like that before Lexica? Yeah, I, I played in a bunch of other bands before. I played in a band called Mahogany, which is a dream pop band, um, and several other projects just from, you know, being parts of little music scenes in New York. Um, I have a friend named John DeRosa, and I worked on his Arctica records um, and some of his solo stuff as well. Um, so yeah, definitely, you know, I feel like if you like a certain very niche genre of music, you end up meeting people with the same interests and you end up, you can end up collaborating with them. So, um, so yeah, I was working with a lot of uh, dream pop fans, I guess, in the early 2000s. And how did... This project came about, you met Steve from that band. Freight Elevator. Freight Elevator. um, Quartet. Quartet. Yeah. And then you guys started writing what would become this record. Yeah. uh, It was was an interesting time because Stephen was, he had just finished med school. And so he was embarking on this whole new chapter of his life. He was just going to, you know, and he is now a successful neurologist. Um, But, you know, we didn't have a lot of time on our hands anymore. He was doing his residency, but he's such, he's so passionate about music that um, 
he and Eric found time to get together and start writing songs. Um, and I, you know, I was around and, you know, I've always had the luxury of knowing people who want female singers on their music. So I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Um, so it was really a studio project, you know, something we did on the weekends when Stephen wasn't working his residency. <laughs> um, and, you know, we did a lot of the recording, yeah, on weekends when we could find time. So it was just this, like, side project. How'd you decide to approach it as a studio-only project? Is that kind of what you're saying? Big part of, yeah. I guess, being in a band a lot of times is playing live. People have a big emphasis on it. Yeah. But then there's a lot of historically bands that really focus on making it a studio project. You know, the Beatles yeah. became a studio-only band. One of my favorite bands, XTC, was mm. studio only mm -hmm. for the large majority of their career. Oh, okay. How do you decide, hey, we just want to do this as a studio yeah. only project? Well, that's a good question. I think we just didn't have the time, right? I mean, Stephen was in med school and re doing his residency. He, he barely had any time to work on the music. Um, I think Eric and I had a little more time on our hands, but I, I was playing shows with other bands so I think that was being taken care of, that, that side of, of yeah. music for me. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the music itself uh, is highly produced. And um, I think that's what Eric and Steven focused on, you know, just really working in the studio together and making something that might not be as easy to replicate in a live setting. And th what's the atmosphere in the studio on a project like this? Is there a lot of nitpicking, hmm. really focusing deeply on the songs, since you kind of have the luxury of unlimited time, I'd say. Right. Maybe you have unlimited time, I don't know. Um, well, the way it worked usually was, uh, Eric and Steven would write a lot of the song, the music part of the song, and record a lot of the tracks. And they would give me you know, just the instrumental, and I would write on my own. Um, would come up with the melody and the vocals. So when I came into the studio, my part was just recording the vocals. Um, and, you know, we would do that in an afternoon session. We would do one or two songs. Um, so it wasn't a lot of nitpicking, I think. It was really fun because I think at that point we were, we were already old friends, you know, happy to collaborate on this new project after having known each other through college and, and having those other college band experiences. So I am curious, you guys recorded it a little bit early 2000s, right? Yep. Most of it early, all of it early 2000s? 2002 to 2004. So yeah. it was considered done by 2004 and yeah. it just stayed unreleased? What, yeah. Why did you decide to kind of not hold it back until now? Did you think it yeah. needed anything extra that you worked on or... You know, I think we, you know, we, we actually made CDs. So we have, I have boxes of CDs somewhere that I still have to find. Um, we just didn't put a lot of effort into promoting it. Um, we, I think we tried a little bit, but I think life got in the way and it had been sort of a side project. So we didn't really, I don't know, we didn't really devote a lot of time to getting it out there at that point. So that's why it's, I mean, it's so nice that this is happening right now. <laughs> and did you guys keep in touch over the years? Something spur deciding to reinvigorate to the record? Yeah, we've, we've all stayed friends. Eric and I have collaborated some more. Um, we've done all kinds of projects, different genres together over the years. 
Um, and Eric and Steven have another project also called The Formalist that um, they just also released an old album. Um, so we definitely stayed in touch. And um, I think it's through our, our friend Charles at Mother West. Um, you know, Eric was doing a lot of work with him. And, I, you know, I'm not sure how the conversation started, but Charles decided, like, let's do this. Let's get your old music out there. Um, so it wasn't really a conscious decision. I think it just came up in conversation. And, you know, we have this, this album of eight songs, so why not? And they sound great. I've been listening Thanks. to it a lot uh, recently. Thank you. And really intently. How do you feel reflecting on these songs 15 years later? Uh, what do you think, what comes to mind when you listen to it? Um, you know, it's it's always personal. You know, for me, I think, I, I, I don't know, songs are, they're such personal creation. So it's, it's a very personal thing to listen back to old music that I wrote 15 years ago. It just stirs up all kinds of emotions. Um, some of the songs are super old. One of the songs, Breathes, it's the last song on the record. Closer actually wrote and recorded in 1995. So it's a super old song. We reinvented it for the Lexica album. And, That's uh, right, I read that. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, I wrote that song in 95 along with the guys in Closer. And the lyrics are about the 80s, like reminiscing about <laughs> the 80s and feeling like an old person being nostalgic. So it's just weird to, you know, 25 years later to be listening to it still. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. They are uh, always still, uh, you know, special personal creations. So that song in particular that you re-recorded for Lexica, what what would you say are the differences between the two versions? Uh, well, so we actually didn't re-record the whole thing. We used a lot of the old tracks. So the vocal track and some of the music tracks are the same. Um, the, the overall vibe is a little different because it has a beat on the Lexica album. It's got that sort of yeah. shuffle trip-hop beat, um, which is sort of signature Lexica Um so that, I think that adds a, a newer vibe because um, the old vibe was just kind of um, atmospheric yeah. and dreamy. Um, so, yeah, it, it adds a little bit of a new energy, I think, having that Yeah, because I think a dream pop, I do think of that atmospheric without the kind of trip hop yeah. kind of beat. What originally inspired this project to kind of add that dynamic into the songs? Um, I think it's just personal interest. You know, I, uh, Stephen has a, a heavy electronic background, um, so he's really good at, at making beats and just working on the production side of things, sampling and, you know, creating sounds. So I think that, that was just kind of a, just a personal preference of adding that uh, and making that part of the Lexica sound. Was there like a turning point for you too, where you kind of developed more interest in that type of sound? In like electronic, yeah. I, I think I've always had an interest in electronic music. Um, you know, even though my background is probably in the shoegaze world. Yeah. Um, you know, there are bands like Seafeel and then Scala, um, that kind of took dream, dreamy sounds to another level. Um, and I also listened to you know Aphex Twin and Boards of Canada, so. Um, I think most of us, the three of us, all had that kind of electronic background as well, even though it was, wasn't always apparent in our old music, or at least not in Closer, necessarily. 
Cool. So the record is called Lost and Left to be Imagined. It's great. Let's play a couple of songs from the record. I was telling you I really love Of What You Hear. Tell us a little bit about that song. Of What You Hear. I mean, it's... uh, it's you know, it's interesting when people ask about these songs because they're so old and I have to jog my memory and think what was my myself from 15 years ago thinking. Um, but, you know, I think it starts out kind of, um, it's, it's kind of, I wouldn't say mellow, but just kind of pensive and then it turns into this sort of dark kind of larger piece at the end. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I can add much more to that. Uh, I think, uh, you know, each song on the album has um, some special character to it because we, we devoted time to each and every song. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That That's song, I felt like, in particular, really builds up towards yeah. the end. Yeah. I really, really like it. appreciate that. Oh, thank it you. Great. Yeah. How about Circulate? Circulate. Great song. Oh, thanks. Um, That's I think that's the first Lexica song that we actually wrote together. Because um, I can't really count Breathe since that was sort of a closer song. Um, but Circulate was, we, I think we did that one way before the others. And that was sort of the precursor where we were like, all right, we, we really have to write a whole bunch of other songs. Because we found this sort of cohesive sound as a group. Um, and yeah, I, it's a, it's kind of... It's got a little bit of a power to it, I think. And, uh, yeah, I, I like that one a lot. Yeah, and Faint <laughs> Hue and Crystalline. Yeah, Faint Hue. Um, that's the one we did the video for. Uh, and, yeah, that one, um, it's interesting because then the, the lyrics are just out there, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I feel like that was a theme that I had developed when I was writing a lot of music in the in the early 2000s and late 90s about about how words are kind of uh, an estimation of what you're really feeling, feeling yeah. and like music is music and vocalization can be a little more true in a sense so that's that's kind of what faint cue is pointing at wow like cool. it, you know you just kind of like you have these like brush strokes of words that are just kind of kind of there but not always articulate. How do you approach writing lyrics for a project like this because it seems like Steven was kind of making the sounds and stuff like that yeah. and you're kind of doing the vocals and stuff. Were you listening or hearing what was happening before you wrote lyrics or did you kind of come with lyrics and say this is good yeah. for this particular song? The lyrics are always the last thing. I mean, sometimes there might be a title, a working title that the the people who come up with the music might write. So there might have been some songs that Stephen and Eric had titles for, and I would just kind of form lyrics out of that. But usually, the lyrics are the last thing, and sort of, <laughs> sort of like in Faint Hue, um, you know, when I come up with a melody. I sort of come up with a vocalization that goes with the music and sometimes words just kind of pop out of it. And oftentimes I'll just try to write lyrics around those words, if that makes sense. So it's just, it's sort of an organic, almost like sculpting of, of lyrics. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a great process. <laughs> all right. So let's play those four songs. They're all on 
Lexica's album, Lost and Left to be Imagined, which I guess is 2019 release. Yeah. 20, 20, 2004. <laughs> 2004 slash 2019 release. Uh, available via Mother West Records. Former guest of the program, Charles Newman, is the owner and operator of that outlet imprint. <laughs> and it's available on all streaming services, I think. Yep. Yes. Yeah. All streaming Spotify, services, Apple. Spotify, Apple Music, Mother West website, Bandcamp, anything like that. Bandcamp is coming. I don't know if it's ready yet. Stay tuned for Bandcamp, <laughs> everyone. And so we're about to hear four songs from Lost and Left to Be Imagined. We'll hear of what you hear, Circulate, Faint Hue, and Crystalline, and we'll be back. Oh, 
All right, we're back. I'm here with Lorraine of Lexica. A lot of L's going yeah, on. Lots of Just L's realized that. <laughs> Lorraine Lellis. Lexica. Of Lexica. <laughs> it's yeah. a great thing. Alliteration, right? <laughs> yeah. I haven't thought about alliteration in a while. <laughs> so thank you for bringing it to look at my record. We heard four awesome songs from Lexica's revived 2004 slash 2019 record. Lost and Left to Be Imagined, out now on Mother West Records. We heard Of What You Hear, Circulate, Faint Hue, and Crystalline. Thanks for sharing those yeah, songs with us. They're wonderful. You. And again, you can stream that record, all streaming services, coming soon to Bandcamp or MotherWestRecords.com. Now, second portion of the program where... Lorraine picked some records from our record collection, and we're going to talk about them and play them, starting with Pale Saints. Pale Saints. Yep. Side of You. Great Great, song. beautiful song. Very shoegazy. Yes. Yes. Quintessential. Yeah. I love early Pale Saints. Um, So it's very cool that you have Barging Into the Presence of God. This This is very old and somewhat obscure. I feel like Pale Saints was sort of uh, like a lesser known kind of under recognized shoegaze band. And they're so great, especially when they're a three piece with Ian Masters. Um, yeah, I really love their early stuff. And Side of You is just, yeah, it's a great song. I think the funny thing is a lot of times what'll happen is I'll be listening to something on Spotify or whatever, and then it just ventures out in yeah. the algorithm yeah. And then I heard Sight of You. Oh. Like, I got to go to Discogs and get this on oh, vinyl nice. immediately. That type of thing very happens nice. to me a lot. Oh, so, very cool. Yeah. yeah, and what's so cool about this song, um, Ride covered this song, which is kind of weird because, you know, they were also an unknown or not very well-known shoegaze band. And they put it out on a 7-inch like in the 90s. So I just happened to find the ride version and I was so confused. I was like, wow, this is so bizarre. Um, but they covered Side of You. So oh, it's, wow. uh, yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, it's a great song. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. Great first choice <laughs> to kick off this part of the show. After Pale Saints, we have Slow, yeah, Dive. Slow Dive. Yeah. Another great shoegaze band. We were talking about their great comeback over the last five years. It was really impressive that they were able to put out this record that you picked. Yep. And such high quality. Yep. A lot of times a band gets back together, then they don't they yeah. kind of put out a dud. This yeah. is not a no, dud. This is an amazing record. And um, Star Roving is probably my favorite. I think that was their first single. It was a very driving song. Um, you know, total dream pop. Uh, but still so good and such high quality. And, uh, you know, I love the male-female vocal combo. Yeah, Neil and Rachel. definitely. Yep. So is this this band, I mean, their their big record, what's it called again? It's awesome. Suvlaki? Yeah, Suvlaki. Yeah. I mean, such a defining record of the genre, yeah. shoegaze genre. Absolutely. Was that a big influence on you back when you were making music yeah. in the mid to late 90s? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I you know, when I first happened upon shoegaze music, something changed. 
And I was like, wow, this is striking some kind of chord. And I was, I was pretty obsessed in high school following Lush and Pale Saints and My Bloody Valentine, Slow Dive and Ride, and, and also the more obscure, lesser known bands just trying to seek out anything dreamy. How did you find out about them? Is Zine Culture or some of those bands got played yeah. on MTV 120 Minutes and yeah, stuff? Yeah, like 120 that, Minutes was a great, great source. Yeah. That's how I probably how I found Ride. I think I saw the video for Like a Daydream. Um, but there was a radio station called WDRE that I listened to. And on Sunday nights, they had this show called Left of Center. And they would play indie music, you know, a lot of it from the UK. And that's how I discovered Lush. My Bloody Valentine, I was just blown away. I was like, what is this? You know, so um, that just opened a new door and I, you know, became obsessed with finding new indie music. And then, yeah, I got into zines and also pen pals, friendship books. Wow, cool. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I had these pen pals, we would exchange mixtapes and that's how a lot of us would discover. Across the pond? In the UK? Um, or a lot of them the in the US countries. too. We had these friendship books where we would just write our name and our address and decorate it and write the bands that we liked. And you, you would send it to one pen pal who'd pass it on and that's how you oh, would wow. get new pen pals. So yeah, I would, I would have like 15 to 20 pen pals um, at, at any given point in high school. That's awesome. I've never heard that. I've yeah. heard that before. That's amazing. Yeah, it was so, so Do fun. you still have some of those mixtapes? Mix yeah, I oh, do. Oh, that's so cool. Yep. Yeah, and I have, and some of those pen pals are still friends, so you know, <laughs> we're talking amazing. like 25 years ago. Yeah, it's awesome. That's very cool. <laughs> I did not know anything about friendship books, and I'm glad I learned about it. Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so fun. All right, after Slow Dive... Uh, we got the Swirlies. Swirlies. Yeah. Blonder Tongue Audio Baton. Love this album. Um, I think Jeremy Parker was the first song I heard. Um, I think by then I was listening to college radio, so that was another source. Yeah. I was listening to actually Staten Island, WSIA. Um, great source for indie music. Um, and the Swirlies, you know, they were definitely influenced by Shoegaze, but yeah. they had they brought this American sort of indie pop brand to it and uh just really fun like so catchy great great hooks like really good songwriters pop songwriters um and i got to, i remember i got to see them play and it was it was just so much fun that yeah. was uh in like i don't know in high school i was just like wow this is uh you know they're just kind of wild a little bit on stage <laughs> where did you see them play at Maxwell's Maxwell's yeah (laughs) my favorite club of all time yeah great spot you see any of these other bands at Maxwell's Um, yeah I did actually I've seen um, Slow Dive I saw Slow Dive play there in 94 and that was amazing Um, yeah that was and that was like the height of my shoegaze fanaticism so they were so good and they sounded great at, at Maxwell's. Was there a big crowd for them or? Yeah, I mean, as, as much as there could be a crowd at Maxwell's, yeah. tiny place was pretty packed. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was really memorable. And they, they played with La Bradford, which was like a drone band from Cranky Records. Um, so it was a really, really fun night. 
The thing I always liked about Maxwell's was the band had to like walk through mm-hmm. the crowd to get to the stage. Yeah. So, so it was very awkward when they had to do an encore. Like <laughs> I remember Stereo Lab one time, they were just like hid behind their instruments. They're like, we'll just <laughs> we're wait. We're not going to waste <laughs> yeah. time walking through you just for effect. <laughs> yeah. So I, I totally get that. That's, that <laughs> does not make for good encore situation yeah the yeah. lack of a backstage <laughs> and just a stage yeah and you usually see the band eating dinner like yeah, when you got yeah, there it was like oh well, yeah. so starstruck getting their free meal because <laughs> it was free <laughs> yes yeah yeah those were the days it was really fun yeah i miss that place i know saw a lot of great bands there yeah me too yeah and last but not least broadcast, broadcast. yeah this is a Tender Buttons, I guess their last was their last album, possibly. Um, yeah, I found the F. That's a great one. Loved Broadcast. They were kind of unique, you know. There yeah. wasn't a lot of bands that sounded like them. People, I agree. They did have similarities to Stereo Lab for sure, but I can't really think of other bands from the era. They were just kind of their own thing. And um, Trish Keenan, she's amazing vocalist. Um, yeah, they were just. Really, really, and they had this such a presence. Sometimes it was kind of a stark presence, but in like a beautiful way. Yeah. Um, I got to see them a few times. I actually got to open for them once, which was really fun. Oh wow! Yeah. Where, where'd you guys play? Uh, this was uh, at NYU when I was in Mahogany. Cool. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I met her. She was really sweet. Um, so yeah, that was uh, very memorable. Amazing. Well. Yeah. That must have been a great experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I looked up to her as a vocalist, and um, this is kind of intimidating, you know, to meet someone that you look up to, and she was just really kind. And that's always good. It's always nerve wracking because what if the person isn't kind? Yeah, and then it's kind of ruins. Yeah, ruins their music. Maybe <laughs> yeah, you're not sure bit. what's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. So then you kind of want to tread. Yeah. Water carefully. She was, yeah, she was very nice. Well, I'm glad she was. Yeah. And may she rest in peace. I know. Sadly. Very sad. Yeah. Very sad. All right. So we're going to play these songs. Cool. Great time talking about yeah. them, too. Yeah. What Good selections. Great collection here. Great selections. <laughs> Thank you. From the collection. Yeah. So everybody, you're about to hear, what did we start off with? Uh, we started off with Hail Saints. <laughs> Hail Saints. Side of you. Slow dive, swirlies, and broadcast. Yep. And we'll be back.
right, we're back. We heard Lorraine from Lexica's record picks. We heard Pale Saints. We heard Slow Dive. We heard Swirlies. And we heard Broadcast. Excellent job (laughs) with the selections, Lorraine. Cool. It was so great having you here. Everyone, again, Lorraine is in the band Lexica, who put out a record this year that they finished working on back in 2004. Nice little revitalization of this awesome record called Lost and Left to Be Imagined. It's out everywhere now on Mother West Records. You can stream it. It'll be on Bandcamp soon as well. Just wanted to thank you for being here. Thank you as well. It was really fun. Oh, totally. Any other plans for Lexica right now for the rest of the year going into 2020? That's a good question. We, um, I don't know. It's it's been uh, really fun, just kind of revisiting the music, and I don't know yet. I don't know what we have um, in store. We we could uh, look into collaborating again. We definitely talked about doing something together. Exciting. So, yeah. Has this yeah. spurred additional creativity for this project specifically? You think or? Yeah, I mean it's it's always nostalgic. It's all, you know it always brings back all kinds of of emotions. So so yeah, I could I could definitely expand on that. Very exciting, and we're gonna play one more song to end the program. These expanses. I like this song as well. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So this one, um, the the lyrics. Uh, Actually, part of the lyrics became the the album title, Lost and Left to Be Imagined. And uh, it's kind of a more, a little atmospheric, a little more of a a thoughtful, kind of pensive song. And um, I think I wrote the lyrics just in, I was in a very kind of um, dreamy mood. I think I had just traveled to, uh, to Europe and something about riding in trains in Europe is very, you know, it's just kind of gets you in a very thoughtful mode and a reflective mode. And so I think the song sort of um, conveys that and just the the idea that everyone, a lot of people who ride trains, they'll get into that kind of reflective mode. And and that's what these parts of the land are for. You're just riding through them and thinking about things and what happens to your thoughts. They just kind of get deposited in these like expansive lands, you know, I've, reflected on trains in Europe before. Yeah. It is very uh, conducive to reflecting. Yeah, and it's not something I get to do very much. So, yeah, I, you know, when I... <laughs> I don't want to make it sound like I'm doing this all the time. It was, uh, you know, it was, I mean, it's always a really fun experience. So, so yeah, I think, uh, I think that's what I was just trying to convey in that song. Cool. Are you working on any other music-related projects right now, too, or...? Um, you know, I'm, I want to start writing... Uh, my own music again. It's been a while. I have I have a lot of half written songs that I need to turn back to. Um, so, but nothing concrete right now, at the moment. Um, just getting back into it. I think ha- all of this activity with Lexica has um, kind of reminded me that I need to get back into it. Cool. Well, we can't yeah. wait to hear and see what you do next, Lorraine. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show yeah, today. Yeah. Thank you. Well, this was course. so much fun. I was a blast. And everyone, we're ending with these expanses from Lexica's album, Lost and Left to Be Imagined. See you next time.
Expenses, I'll be dreams painted.